Blog Talk Radio.
bright tap waterer is fully covered. Chickens drink from special valves, so dirt and droppings can't get into the water. Chickens get sparkling clean water. You get less work. No poop-filled water pans for you to touch or wash out. Bright tap, clean water made simple. Visit chickenwaterer.com to learn more. That's chickenwaterer.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Are you in the market for a new chicken coop? Want one that will outlast all the others? Then check out Urban Coop Company. All of their coops are made from 100% appearance-grade western red cedar with galvanized hardware and advanced all-weather joinery right here in the USA. Compared to other coops, Urban Coop Company coops will last longer and look better doing it. They're designed to be both beautiful and functional. In fact, they have earned the Chicken Whisperer seal of approval and are Chicken Whisperer approved. I invite you to browse their website to learn more about the many features of their coops and check out their integrated coop accessories that will make your life easier. Urban Coop Company is a family-owned business located in Dripping Springs, Texas, USA. They are passionate about building great coops because they know you're passionate about your backyard chickens. Visit them online at urbancoopcompany.com. That's urbancoopcompany.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky... You'll know it's Super Chicken. All righty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. Hope you had a great weekend. We had no show yesterday, but Peter Brown, the Chicken Doctor, will be joining us tomorrow with a hot topic regarding backyard poultry. And then this Thursday, we have poultry scientist and professor, Dr. Bridget McRae, Ph.D. She's going to be joining us this Thursday. So we have a great lineup for you all week this week. We do have a great show lined up for you today. We've been advertising it pretty heavily on Twitter and Facebook. We have a poultry nutritionist, Dr. Nancy Buchanan-Jefferson, joining us today. We'll be bringing her on here shortly. Uh, the topic today is... Uh, nutritional requirements for baby chicks. So uh, it is the season. We have Easter coming up this weekend, and it is a hot time. As you know, uh, all of the stores across the country are doing their Chick Days events, and you walk in any, uh, just about any feed store around the country, and you're going to see the baby ducklings and the baby chicks there. And uh, People are uh, incubating the chicks uh, all over the country as well, people who enjoy that and are really into the hobby. So this uh, topic today couldn't come uh, at a better time, and again, 
uh, nutritional requirements for baby chicks. A couple of housekeeping measures here. I want to send a shout-out to everybody listening live today, all the homeschoolers that tune into the show on a daily basis and incorporate the show into their daily curriculum. We thank you very much for tuning in. All the over-the-road truck drivers we hear that listen to the uh, archive of the show, uh, we thank you very much. Uh, we enjoy your emails, and, uh, hey, keep the rubber on the road and get that freight delivered safely and uh, get back to your uh, lovely families. Uh, all the folks that listen live, thank you very much for tuning in today. All the folks that, uh, and there's thousands of you that listen to the archive of the show, thank you so much for tuning in, iTunes.com, Podcast.com, Zoom.com, and all the others, and, of course, listening at blogtalkradio.com and finding uh, almost 1,000 archived episodes all about different topics regarding the care and health of your backyard flock. And uh, we thank you and all the feed stores across the country that stream this radio show live uh, daily to their customers. Thank you very much uh, for doing so. Hope business is going well for you. Other housekeeping, I want to make sure you do realize there are not one but two chicken coops going on, uh, two chicken coop contests uh, going on right now. We have one in Chicken Whisperer magazine. The spring issue of Chicken Whisperer magazine was just released, both in digital format uh, and the print version. And so if you subscribe to either the digital, and that is free to subscribe to the digital edition, or if you uh, pay to subscribe to the print edition, which is mailed directly to your home, you will notice there is a contest in that magazine. If you want to take advantage of that, you too can subscribe to the digital edition for free. It comes out quarterly, and uh, it will be emailed to you. Then you can read that magazine on your laptop, your desktop, your iPhone, your iPad, uh, your Droid, whatever the case may be. Um, chickenwhisperermagazine.com is where you want to go. You can sign up for the free digital edition, and you can read all of the issues there at that website as well. Also, there's a link there if you want to subscribe to the actual print edition. But there's a great contest in the uh, uh, Chicken Whisper Magazine spring issue. It is a chicken tractor, and uh, uh, Woodtex Products is providing that uh, coop there in the Chicken Whisper Magazine. So that's uh, pretty awesome. Go take advantage of that. We also have a current chicken coop contest going on on our Facebook page. Just visit us over there at Facebook. That's Facebook.com forward slash the chicken whisperer scroll down a little bit on our home page and you'll see where we have a contest and how to enter that contest it's very simply just sending an email over to us and you can enter that contest that contest is brought to you by egg stream coops that's e-g-g as an egg egg stream coops it's a really unique fiberglass chicken coop easy to clean easy to disinfect and sanitize a little lighter weight uh, than the wood coops, but still in the styles uh, that you've come to uh, expect for chicken coop uh, manufacturers. And uh, it's a really unique design, this one that we're actually giving away. Now, you can have it painted any color. If you don't like the good old-fashioned barn red and white, that's fine. You can pick whatever color you want it painted before delivery to you, and delivery is included in the prize right to your front door. So we've got two chicken coop contests going on as we speak, one in the magazine and one on our Facebook page. Thank you very much for tuning in. Also, one more thing, we'll wrap it up, and then we'll bring on uh, uh, Dr. Nancy to talk about uh, nutritional requirements for baby chicks. Uh, posted earlier on my Facebook page about the importance uh, of just a good review at that time of the year regarding the risks of salmonella with baby chicks. I think it's very important. Uh, I posted a link over to uh, the CDC uh, page where it uh, directs you right over to things you can do to prevent the risk of uh, salmonella when handling uh, baby chicks. And so um, 
it's it's always good, regardless of how long you've kept chicks uh, or chickens, to just have a good review. Uh, Tis the season, of course, for everybody running out, and even a lot of new folks getting baby chicks for the first time. Uh, I think it's very valuable information for them, especially to just look and see what they can do to try to limit the risks of uh, any type of salmonella contamination with handling baby chicks. Now, um, you all remember, a lot of our regular listeners remember last year, uh, there was a salmonella outbreak about this time um, with baby chicks that was linked back to a particular hatchery. Um, Several hundred people uh, uh, fell ill due to this salmonella baby chicks. It was confirmed 100% by CDC through tracing, and uh, many ended up in uh, in the hospital. It is not fun. Salmonella is uh, is a nasty uh, thing that you don't want. So just just go and review that. I think it's very important, and and, and tis the season for that. Uh, and it can be as simple as, again, washing your hands, keeping some hand sanitizer near the coop to go ahead and get uh, some uh, <laughs> the hand sanitizer on before you can maybe get back to the house um, and, and actually thoroughly wash your hands with, with soap and water. And, and I'll share with you a, uh, a scenario that a lot of people don't think about um, and because we talk about oh you know foot baths and using uh, specific boots for, for dealing with chickens and and uh, maybe specific clothes or some type of uh, overgarment to wear over your clothes when you're taking care of your chickens and things like that. Biosecurity uh, is very important. Uh, keeping a backyard flock of chickens, but there's something a lot of folks don't think about. You may allow your dog or dogs to roam free in in the backyard, or you let them out in the backyard. Uh, maybe along with your chickens, maybe they uh, get along well. Many dogs and chickens uh, share the same backyard. That's no surprise. Um, but you do all the precautions, but you let your dogs walk in the coop, maybe in the run as well, or in your backyard where your chickens free range, and your dogs may actually step in the chicken uh, feces that's in and around the coop, the run, in the yard. And uh, you're not wiping their paws, you're not cleaning their paws or disinfecting them before they come back in, and they walk in uh, the chicken feces out there that may or may not be contaminated with disease and salmonella. And you just let them right back on into your house. Come on, pups, come on, come on in, it's time to come in. And then they're jumping on the couch, they're jumping on your bed, they're jumping on you, they're walking on the carpet. Next thing you know, you're in the carpet, you're bringing your your, your supper in to, to uh, the, the, the living room maybe to watch uh, TV or the news, and so that that's a specific way uh, that a lot of people don't think about how they, you may bring now that disease into your home through the paws of your pet. So uh, keep that in mind. I always uh, share that scenario because uh, when I share it, a lot of times people just, you know, the light bulb goes on. Oh, my, I've never really thought about that. So there's many scenarios like that that we need to be aware of when dealing with our backyard flocks and protecting us from uh, those infectious poultry diseases. So let's get on with the show today. I'm very proud to have today uh, poultry nutritionist, Dr. Nancy Buchanan-Jefferson, a PhD with Combot Feeds On, and I met her at the dealer conference up in Ohio a few weeks ago, and a very nice young lady, and I said, hey, we've got to have you on uh, to talk and, and to write for the magazine about nutrition which is her uh, expertise, and uh, again, uh, a lot of people are getting baby chicks, they're hatching out baby chicks, and we need to know what the proper nutritional requirements are for these uh, baby chicks, so let me get over here to the phone lines, and uh, we'll go ahead and see if we can do this here, if it's going to cooperate with me, and we'll try to bring on Dr. Nancy, Uh, let's see what we got, okay, it shows that you're live, can you hear me okay? I can, can you hear me? 
Perfect. Yep, we have you live on the air. That's always great. They switched the, they changed up and updated the switchboard on me last week, so I'm still trying to figure out which buttons do which here and making sure that I have you on live. But thank you very much for joining us today. It's an honor to have you on and very excited to uh, uh, to learn about uh, you know baby chick nutrition here uh, in the springtime. And uh, well, great. so first, thank if you, you if you would. Oh, thank you for coming on. If you'll just share first off, up first and foremost, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, Doc, and uh, tell us a little bit about your educational background and uh, your position there with Kalmbach. Great. My name is Nancy Jefferson, as Andy mentioned. I am a nutritionist and part of the technical services team at Kalmbach Feeds, which is located in Upper Sandusky, Ohio. Um, I've worked for Kalmbach Feeds since 2013, and I've been in the feed business for eight years now. In 2008, I received my Ph.D. from West Virginia University in food and animal science. And today, I live on a farm in Gowdy County, Ohio, with my husband, John. And we raise beef cattle, and I keep a small flock of lamb chickens. All right. That sounds awesome. Very good. And uh, your position with the uh, Kalmbach feeds and kind of your, your uh, not necessarily your daily routine, but uh, what, what really uh, is your job there regarding their uh, poultry feeds? Sure. I'm part of a team of nutritionists. We all have our own focuses. Um, some of us do poultry. Some of us do a little bit of everything, some horse, some um, dairy, uh, some beef cattle and swine, of course, and um, I I work with another nutritionist. We do mostly the um, poultry feeds. We'll do um, all formulations for all different types of feed, including commercial poultry and backyard poultry, and um, in addition to that, part of my duties is traveling around to lots of the feed dealerships, kind of similar, I'm sure you can, you can relate to this, similar to um, what you do, traveling around and teaching people about raising poultry for those that are interested in getting started or interested in, um, you know, kind of developing their flock or, or expanding their flock. So I'll go around mostly in the springtime and talk to folks about that. And day-to-day basis, we just um, answer questions for customers, work on feeds, develop new products. Uh, try to stay abreast of everything that's going on in the industry so we're um, the experts out there for the people who have questions. Very good. Perfect. And that's what we're mm-hmm. talking about uh, today. That's our job is to, again, we take pride in getting the uh, science-based, fact-based, and study-based information out there to our fans and uh, and listeners. And, again, today, folks, get that pen and paper ready. We're talking about nutritional requirements for uh, baby chicks. So let's let's go ahead and get started. And um, what, what you would like to share share with the folks, we can kind of gear it now for maybe the first time chicken keeper. They've gone out there. They've uh, been doing some research. They're like, yeah, I definitely want to get some baby chicks this year. Or I just picked them up from the local feed and seed or I just had them delivered to my house. And, um, you know, sometimes uh, uh, they may get uh, uh, um, different information from the different uh, feed stores around the country or they may get information from blogs or forums or online. So we want to set the record straight. But let's just kind of start off with uh, with the basics regarding uh, the nutrition requirements for the, uh, for the baby chicks. I'll kind of turn it over to you. Okay, great, great. Well, typically the first step you're going to take is choosing which type of bird you're interested in rearing. Um, we can usually break those down into three different sections. I'm not going to go too in-depth onto that because I know we want to focus on nutrition, but we do feed the birds differently based on what type chicken they are. So I, I have typically broken birds down into three different groups, egg layers, which are going to be the ones that you're rearing for egg production, um, specifically for egg production. We also have broiler chickens 
and a broiler chicken is a bird that's raised for meat production, and we do feed those differently than egg layers. And then we have what I think most people, like myself and most people who are interested in having backyard birds, would be the dual-purpose birds, those birds that work out well for egg production and work out well for meat production. Um, we do mm -hmm. feed those a little bit differently as well. So those are some of the, the things to keep in mind when you're first trying to decide what birds you want. Are you interested okay. in high-producing egg layers, meat birds, or dual-purpose birds? Okay, so, great. When you bring a chick home, um, they are a precocious animal. They are able to find their feed and find their water all on their own. The only thing we have to provide for them is uh, heat. So they have to have high temperature when we first bring them home. Um, their brooding boxes need to be about 90 degrees. So make sure you have your box set up before you even bring your chicks home. And setting up your place where you're going to brood your birds is really important because this is where they're going to live, this is where they're going to find their feed, and this is where they're going to find their water. Um, so when a baby chick hatches, it actually still has part of its yolk sac retained inside of its body. It's pretty amazing. Um, and it can live off of the nutrients on that yolk sac for about three days. And then after that, it actually depletes all the nutrients that it actually retains inside of its body, which is one of the reasons why we can put them in the mail and we can ship them is because they'll actually live off of those retained nutrients for a few days um, while, they're at the, while they're on the truck going to the post office, and then we can pick them up a day or two later. So it's really neat that um, after a chick hatches can actually use those, those nutrients for a few days. But after three days, we have to make sure those birds have feed and water. And feeding your baby chicks is um, something that's, that's relatively easy to do because they have a natural instinct to peck and scratch and pick up feed. And we typically break down most poultry feeds, especially on the bagged side, into three separate sectors. We have starter growers, grower finishers, and then usually you'll have a laying feed. So three different sections, if anybody's taking notes, we have starter grower, which is the first one, grower finisher, which is the second, and then typically you'll have a laying feed if you're interested in taking your birds out that far. So when you start with, when we have a starter feed, one of the things we're focused on here is making sure we're feeding a um, high-protein feed. Typically your starter feeds are going to be in crumble form, or meal form. Um, pellets are generally a little bit too big for a tiny baby chick to actually eat. So we break those down. We go through the whole process of making a pellet, and then we bust it back up into a crumbled form. And that's so a baby chick can actually pick up that little crumble in their beak, and they can, actually, and they can physically eat it. Starter feeds are typically in the high, in the 20 to 22% protein range. So when you go to your feed store and you're looking at your different types of feeds, you want to make sure you're looking for a starter feed. Most feeds are going to be complete feeds, so make sure when you're talking to the, to the people in the store, you're looking for a complete feed. Um, and there is some, um, a lot of people say, well, what does complete feed mean? A complete feed has everything in it that a chick is going to need. So when you're starting your chicks out, if you're feeding a complete starter feed, they have all the nutrients that that bird is going to need inside that particular feed. So as long as they're eating that feed, they're getting a balanced, complete diet. Broiler chickens typically require a little bit higher crude protein. So if you're feeding broiler chickens, which are meat birds, 
You usually start out with a higher crude protein, somewhere in the 22 23% range, usually about a 22%. And the reason for that is that those birds are growing extremely fast. So a broiler chicken will go from the size of a baby chick to a ready-to-butcher bird in about 6 to 8, sometimes 12 weeks. So they grow very, very fat. They eat a lot more, and we feed them a higher crude protein diet because they have um, higher nutrient requirements. Laying chickens, on the other hand, will tend to grow a little bit slower than that. Um, they won't be full size until they're about 16 or 18 weeks of age. So we feed those birds a little bit differently. They don't require quite as high of a crude protein value. And I know I'm talking about crude protein for the most part, but that's, that's the big nutrient that a lot of people focus on when they talk about poultry feeds, protein. So laying hens need a little bit lower crude protein value um, in the 20, 18%, 20% range because they do grow a little bit slower. They don't have quite that um, high requirement that a broiler chicken would. So those guys are going to grow. Um, they're going to have their starter phase. It's going to be a little bit longer than a broiler chicken. So um, the grower or the starter phase for um, laying hens is typically going to be about zero to six weeks of age. So a bird from the day it hatches to about six weeks of age is typically the starter phase for a laying hen. For broiler chicken, it's a little bit shorter. It's usually zero to about three or four weeks of age. So those guys are growing so much faster. Mm -hmm. And when we formulate starter feeds, um, we look at a lot of different nutrients, one of those being protein that I've talked about before, others being the fat level and the energy level. So the birds are requiring a lot of energy at this particular point in their, in their growth cycle. Um, we also look at the amino acids that we're formulating, too. And I don't know um, if the viewer, viewer base is aware of amino acids and what they are, but amino acids are just building blocks of proteins. So when we have a protein, it's made up of various amino acids. Those amino acids are the building blocks for a particular protein. And one of the really important amino acids in a starter feed is methionine. And we use methionine for feather production. So when a bird is starting, it actually doesn't have any of its um, feathers yet. It's still fuzzy down, really cute chick, and it has to develop all those feathers. And those feathers require a lot of methionine, cysteine, for that to happen. So we formulate those particular amino acids, which are balanced in your feed, to make sure we get good feather production. Um, once we move from the starter phase, to the grower phase, um, things change just a little bit as far as the nutrients are concerned. The grower phase is, um, well, let me go back to the starter phase a little bit. I want to go back and talk a little bit about some of the things that we focus on a lot in the starter phase. So this is the most critical phase for survival and growth in chicks. Um, in any young animal, in calves, in human babies, in any, um, in young pigs and piglets, in any young animal, the starter phase is typically the most critical phase for survival. Um, it's very important for these animals to develop, to start developing their immune system in the starter phase, and they're actually, and they're going to start growing in this particular phase too. So they have a lot to do. Most importantly, develop their immune system. Um, so a lot of starter feeds you might see have um, coccidia stats in them. 
And coccidia stats are a um, medication that can be added to feed for coccidiosis prevention. And Andy, I don't know, do you want me to go into mm -hmm. any um, in-depth about coccidiosis? Not what necessarily, because we we've, we we definitely have uh, many podcasts regarding coccidiosis, coccidiosis and covering that in, in detail. So not necessarily just to, that it's uh, uh, a little bit about maybe uh, briefly what it is and how the chickens uh, pick it up uh, and then the importance of maybe the medicated or non-medicated and their choice to choose which one would be best fit their needs. So... Coccidia is a protozoa. Um, it's not a bacteria, so um, antibiotics would not work on coccy um, because it is a protozoa. Um, we typically use coccidia stats to treat or prevent, to actually prevent coccidiosis um, and do some treatment for it. Um, it's found in the ground, so it's in the soil and in the dirt, and it's prevalent in the soil and the dirt. If you have coccy in your soil and dirt, it hangs out for a long time. It's not something that goes away easily. Um, and so what happens is a chicken will scratch around in the dirt and they actually pick up that coccy and it takes hold or it develops in their um, intestinal tract. And so when that does happen, because in the starter phase, birds are very young and they're susceptible to disease, just like any young animals, um, they, can, they can get sick and you'll lose production, you'll lose growth, and you might have increased mortality. So what we have are um, preventative measures for coccidiosis, mostly amprolium. And you're going to see that as an extremely common medication in starter feeds. Um, on the market today, I think most people are, they are interested in either a non-medicated or an amprolium-medicated starter feed. Those are probably going to be the most popular starter feeds you'll see out there on the market. Um, Non-medicated feeds do not have the coccidia stat or the prevention, and proleum-medicated feeds do have the preventative measure. So it's really important at this point for the animal to um, be able to develop their immune system. They have not developed an immunity to coccidia, which they actually can develop over time. Older flocks are much less susceptible. Just like any, when you're raising any young animal, that, that beginning phase, that starter phase, is when they're most susceptible to disease. So any prevention we can do definitely helps. Um, the thing about a coccidia stat is, I don't want to get too much into nomenclature, but if mm -hmm. you think of the stat at the end of the, of the coccidia word, um, it doesn't actually kill the coccy. So a side, like homicide, is something that would actually kill the coccy. A coccidia stat prevents it from further development. So it prevents it to, from continuing to breed. So it actually helps stop that, that um, protozoa from continuing to grow inside that animal. But it doesn't, doesn't, do, um, it doesn't actually kill all of it. So it is a very prevalent, um, coccy is a very prevalent thing that happens in lots of it's popular in calves, um, even your dog, when they take a fecal sample from your dog, that's one of the things they're looking for. Um, so it is out there and it's prevalent, but if you choose to do a prevention or if you've ever had coccidia in the past, definitely consider an amprolium-medicated uh, coccidia stat feed. Okay, great. So, Thanks for that information. Uh, well, you're welcome. Um, so I, um, I did want to talk a little bit because probiotics are becoming a lot more popular in poultry feeds mm -hmm. today. And uh, one of the reasons why is that a lot of us are interested in non-medicated poultry feeds. So people are looking for feeds that um, 
don't have any antibiotics in them. Maybe they don't want to feed coccidiostats. They don't want to feed medications for prevention, only for treatments. And so a lot of people are looking at probiotics as um, one of the things they can feed to their birds to uh, kind of set them up for a healthy digestive tract. And I don't know if you've seen, uh, you guys don't have a TV, do you? <laughs> if you've seen the commercials with Erin um, Andrews and she's running down the road and she says, did you know 70% of your immune system starts in your gut? And mm-hmm. um, she's marketing a, I think it's a prebiotic, but she's marketing a product and she's absolutely right. The immune system, a, a good portion of the immune system does start in the gut. So if um, you're interested in feeding probiotics or prebiotics to your birds, one of the things that it does is it sets that gut up with healthy bacteria from the very beginning. So um, some of the Kronbach feeds, all of our backyard Kronbach feeds, our complete line, are formulated with probiotics and prebiotics already added into the feeds. And we did this to focus really on gut health and to increase that um, and to focus on that immune system in those young animals. And if you think of the gut as a cup, um, there's only so much room inside that cup for good bacteria or bad bacteria, either way. And what we're hoping to do with our prebiotics and probiotics is to fill that gut up with good bacteria so there's no room for the bad bacteria to take hold. And that's the concept. It's called competitive exclusion. It excludes the bad bacteria. And that's the concept behind um, the addition of probiotics and prebiotics in feeds. And they work just the same for chickens as they do for humans. That was one of the nice things about my educational background is um, when when you're feeding chickens and when you're feeding pigs, they're monogastrics, and humans are monogastrics too. So there's a, a we can do a lot of correlation between the way we would feed those livestock and how we would feed ourselves, and um, it really makes a lot of cohesive sense. So it helps a lot when you're uh, <laughs> when you're doing all your studying and your schoolwork. <laughs> but anyway, I just wanted to to um, touch a little bit on the immune function and how important that is in the starter phase. So okay. just to recap on the starter phase. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to add to you that um, because uh, we've had numerous um, poultry experts, poultry scientists on the show, and um, they all all agree regarding, uh, and I'll just touch on this because so many people out there um, you'll see on blogs and forums and pictures and things like that of uh, a lot of chicken mamas um, feeding their baby chicks and even the grown chicks yogurt saying, hey, good probiotic, good gut health, and um, we've covered this extensively on the podcast over the years, and to, to let people know, number one, uh, chickens do not have the necessary enzymes in their gut to properly digest dairy, uh, and then number two, um, there is not enough of the good bacteria in store-bought yogurt to do anything to benefit your chickens, but there may be plenty of bad things your chickens don't need, like sugar, high fructose corn syrup, artificial colors, artificial flavors, and whatnot, so this wanted to touch on that because somebody may be listening going, oh, yeah, uh, I'm going to just do this with yogurt or give my uh, I'll give my chicks a cup of yogurt, you know, every day. Or um, and, and also the cost issue is that let's just say, for example, someone gives their chickens a cup of yogurt every day. Uh, a cup of yogurt's about a dollar. That's $30 a month where you can, which really you're not benefiting your chickens or improving their gut health at all with that, uh, where for about 19 bucks you can buy, 
you know, probiotic designed for poultry that's designed to go into their water and be delivered in their water uh, that would actually benefit and help your chickens for less money than buying that cup of yogurt every day. And many people say, well, how come people don't just do that? It's less money and they're actually helping their chickens. And the answer I come up with is that I guess it's just not as fun. <laughs> to, to go out and give your chickens a little treat, hand them a little, you know, a little uh, cup of yogurt, and see them get yogurt on their beak and on their face, and it's cute and funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and, and actually having a true bio, a probiotic that's helping the chickens, that's less money, um, and just you know, adding it to your water and measuring it out. I guess it's just not as fun as giving them a cup of yogurt. So I just wanted mm-hmm. to clarify that. I always mention that when we talk about probiotics, just to let maybe some new folks know uh, regarding the yogurt correlation and, and bacteria for your chicken. So I wanted to add that. Yes. So carry on, my friend. Yeah, yeah, yes, he is correct. And these products that we're using are specifically developed for um, animal feeds. So we add them to the feeds. They're researched and tested by the companies that actually um, have developed and are marketing these products for feed use. Um, they are... Uh, they're made to be pelleted. They're made to withstand the um, increased temperature that comes with pelleting. So they are backed um, and researched. Their, mm-hmm. their efficacy is backed by the research from these particular companies. They're made and developed specifically for um, poultry and, and other monogastrics like swine. Um, so they, they do they do work. Um, there are a lot of things I see out there that don't work. These do work. <laughs> Perfect. Great. Yep. Yep. So... After the starter phase, we're going to go into the grower phase. Do you want me to, to talk a little bit about the grower grower phase today? Absolutely, and, and we can work okay. into this kind of like uh, feed what when, uh, which I have down here in my notes, like and 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 um, uh, being out there and doing classes and talking to a lot of people and 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 food feed producers and whatnot. It seems to me that. Everybody has their own really specific opinion. They'll say eight weeks starter, eight weeks grower, and then 16 weeks go to layer. And some say not to go to layer till 18 weeks. Some say 20 weeks. Some say not until you see the first egg. You, you hear all of that, and it, and it differs so much. So uh, while you're talking about kind of the uh, the going from starter to grower to the to the layer, um, if you'll add in there uh, kind of what your recommendation is as a nutritionist kind of when to switch that over. Some people just feed starter until 16 weeks, for example, or 18 weeks and just switch over to the layer and, and eliminate the grower. So um, what your recommendation is when you're talking about starter grower and then we get the pellets, um, kind of a time interval of uh, what you recommend for those. So a grower feed is, uh, by the namesake, you can tell that primarily what the bird's going to do when it's eating a grower feed is grow. Um, so in the starter phase, we have three different ways that um, poultry use their nutrients. They use it for growth, they use it for maintenance, and they use it for production. So in the starter phase, I said we're putting we're putting down our immune system, we're growing a little bit, we're really developing all of our functions inside our body. In the grower phase, we really start to grow. So in this particular phase, we have to grow, and we also have to maintain everything we've done in the starter phase. As far as the, the immune system, digestive tract development, all of that stuff we have to maintain now. So our energy requirements for birds go up in the grower phase. Um, grower phases, the crude, the crude protein requirement will go down a little bit, maybe 16 to 20% crude protein. And at this point, the birds are big enough that they're actually able to, to eat a pellet. So 
they can actually prehand or they can pick up and eat that particular pellet. So they can handle crumbles, they can handle pellets, and they can handle meal feeds in the grower phase. Um, most of the time, and very, very generically speaking, if you talk to someone in the, um, in the commercial poultry industry, it's not quite this simple. But generically speaking, I say a starter phase is before a bird has its feathers, and a grower phase is after a bird has its feathers. So for you and I out there, um, us folks that just have a small flock of backyard birds, starter phase is typically before they have their feathers, grower phase is after. And that varies quite a bit based on whatever breed of bird you want to have. Um, if you have a broiler chicken, typically they grow very, very fast. They'll start to get their feathers at around three weeks, four weeks. And that's typically when I would say, okay, we're in the grower phase. For most um, laying hens, let's say a single comb white leghorn, they won't start to get their feathers until they're just a little bit older. They're still quite small, so we're looking at four or five, sometimes even up to six weeks, only six weeks pushing it. Um, and then the dual purpose birds are typically going to start to get their feathers around four, five, six weeks also. Um, so that's just a, a kind of a guideline if you're not sure what phase your birds might be in. Um, just check out their feathers and, and very simply you can choose, you can choose from there. Um, but now since a bird has its feathers, it can actually maintain its own body temperature. Um, they require much more energy because, like I said before, they need to maintain everything they've done. They put on their feathers, they've developed their digestive tracts, they've developed their immune system, now they have to maintain that. And they become really fun at this particular point. Um, they're kind of active and curious and they play fight. And one of them picks up a worm and runs and the other ones chase it. So <laughs> really the pressure becomes, gets off in the, in the grower phase. You know, that pressure of keeping them alive is off. They can really almost take care of themselves completely. So um, if you're feeding a broiler chicken, it's not uncommon to feed the starter feed all the way from the beginning to the time that you butcher those birds. Um, like I mentioned before, they're very fast-growing. They have high um, – they're growing – and when I say grow, they're putting on a lot of muscle, a lot of muscle accretion, which means they require a lot of protein to do that. So high-protein feeds for broiler chickens are very common and fed all the way from the starter to the finisher. Um, you'll see that quite a bit. If you have broiler chickens, let's say, um, are birds that you don't want to grow too fast, sometimes you'll switch from a starter to a grower feed, and that's for broiler chickens. Let's say you want to grow them out just a little bit longer or you're interested in not necessarily fair birds but maybe doing some of the, the show birds, you might switch over um, to a lower protein feed just to keep those birds from growing too fast. Um, and, and you'll see that in broiler chickens. But most backyard flops, dual-purpose birds or egg layers in particular, you're going to switch from a starter feed to a grower feed at right around the six-week period. And don't worry, don't mark on your calendar, my birds are six weeks old, today I have to throw away the rest of my starter feed and make sure they get a bag of grower feed. You can continue to feed that starter feed until it's gone um, and then switch over to that grower feed um, once, your, once your bag of starter is gone. So in most cases for us in backyard poultry flocks, there's no problem with that at all. I typically recommend for layer feeds to switch over to your higher calcium complete layer feed at 16 weeks of age. And the reason why I do that is birds should begin laying at about 18 to 24 weeks, depending on the breed of bird. Um, 
But calcium is extremely important for egg production. Those birds need that calcium to make that eggshell. And if we don't provide it for them, either in the feed or in some type of supplement, like limestone chips or oyster shells, then they'll start pulling their calcium from their stores. And where do we store mm -hmm. calcium? We store that in our bones. <laughs> so I always like yep. to make sure they have just as much calcium as they can need. And I, I, I will start switching over to the layer feeds at about 16 weeks. So my grower sure. phases for my laying hens are about six weeks to 16 weeks. Like you mentioned earlier, a lot of people have a tendency to feed. They want to feed a lot of treats. They want to feed a lot of extras to their hens. And um, one thing... <laughs> I think we, we can do better as um, people with poultry, and I'm guilty of this myself, is I can show my love for my birds in ways other than treats <laughs> and food. <laughs> yep. so, and, I, and I think sometimes that might hold true for children, too. You know, we can show our love in ways other than just food. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you, you, that's exactly right with a with a two-year-old and a, and a three-year-old, almost four-year-old, and, and I tell folks about uh, scratch and treats and mealworms and all these uh, homemade treats that you see uh, people are trying to invent to give their chickens and and um, mm -hmm. I'll say something about scratch and they'll be like oh but but my chickens love scratch and I'll be like well my three year old loves Skittles doesn't necessarily mean it's good for them <laughs> or I'm or, or I'm going to mix it in with his meatloaf so um, right. like so many people mix scratch with the layer and then you know so so it kind of goes uh, exactly along with with the kids. Uh, my kid loves uh, Skittles, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's good for them just because they uh, love it. Same thing. Oh, but they love my yogurt. And uh, yeah, but just as, as long as you know that it's you're not really getting that good bacteria to them by doing so. So uh, thank you right. for mentioning that. Um, when Peter Brown, the chicken doctor, comes on on Mondays. It's amazing. He's been with us for about three years. Uh, how many times uh, we'll kind of trace back to maybe a particular issue, uh, medically speaking, or the health of a bird because of too many uh, treats, because uh, those treats that are now consuming the bird uh, is less of the, again, as you'll talk about, the nutritional food, that you know, the nutritionally balanced feed uh, that they're not getting because they filled up on these uh, scraps of the treat. So, yeah, thank you for starting to, to mention that. I'll let you carry on with that, that treat issue. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So when we think about what we want to feed to our baby chicks, um, a complete feed is definitely the way to go. That complete feed is, gonna t is going to contain everything that bird needs, the energy that it needs, the protein that it needs, um, the even fiber that it needs, the vitamins, minerals, amino acids, all those things, trace minerals, all those things are things um, that we focus on when we formulate a feed. So we look at all those nutrients, how they work in conjunction with each other, calcium and phosphorus ratios to make sure we build good, strong bones. So we look at all those different nutrients, and we develop a feed that will meet the nutrient needs of the average bird. Um, and what happens with, the, with chickens, just like um with chickens is they actually eat to meet their nutrient need, their energy needs. So if we balance on energy, they're going to eat to meet those energy needs, and in doing so, they're going to have all those other nutrients balanced out right behind it. When we start throwing in high-energy things like cracked corn and, um, let's say, scratch grains and things like that, if they eat to meet their energy needs, they're going to meet that first, and all those other things are going to trail back down behind it because they're not going to eat that complete feed as much as that complete feed. So they're eating to meet their energy needs, but they're deficient in a lot of those other nutrients. 
So mm-hmm. complete feed is definitely the best way to go um, when you're looking at feeding your baby chicks because it's going to have all of those things together in one bag. Um, some of the things to avoid are excessive treats. I know it's really hard not to give them lots of treats or not to give them extra things, but really try to avoid that when the chicks are very young. Um, don't do, don't give a lot of treats. Don't actually, I wouldn't even recommend giving any treats until they're at least in the grower phase, maybe even in the high grower phase, eight, ten weeks old. Anytime before that, you really want to make sure they're getting that balanced, complete diet so that they'll grow really well and we set them up to be great layers in the beginning. So avoid those treats. Um, avoid all the extras in the first few weeks of their lifetime. Uh, make sure they get a chance to develop and grow and get all those essential nutrients they need because it's hard to go back um, if they don't have strong bones and fix that later. It's really a lot easier to start them off well um, rather than go back and fix. And then um, it's up to you as a um, as a, a flock keeper if you want to have a medicated or non-medicated feed. Um, I am an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure type of person. So I did feed Amprolium medicated starter feeds, and I always have to my to my beginning flocks, um, just to keep that coxie at bay. Although I have seen people not feed, have I have seen people choose non-medicated feeds and never ever have a problem and do just fine. Um, so it is a it is a choice as a consumer that we can make. Um, but if you have had a coxie outbreak in the past. I strongly recommend considering a coccidia stat in your feed, or you also can purchase them for water. Um, a lot of times when you get baby chicks, sometimes you'll see you'll have um, different additives that are available for you to use, vitamins, um, little vitamin packs, electrolyte packs. Sometimes they'll even mm-hmm. come with the chicks in the mail. Um, anytime that bird is under stress, those things can be extremely helpful um, because what the electrolytes do, they actually help with water transfer inside the cells so those birds drink water. They get a little more hydrated from it. And so anytime there's a stressful situation, they can help, but you don't have to use them. Don't feel pressured to run out and make sure you have those. As long as your chicks seem like they're doing well, they weren't stressed, let's say they weren't stuck at the post office for an extra day because of a high um, you know, a snowstorm or something like that, um, then they'll typically do just fine on a complete feed and good, clean water. Um, so it's up to you if you want to choose to use those different types of products. Um, High-stress situations, if something has gone wrong, then they will help. But most of the time, they aren't necessary. They're not not something you have to use. Um, but they do. But, like I said before, anytime you can get those birds off to a good, solid start, they'll do better in the long term. So if you feel like there may have been some stress issue or some some problem along the lines, a little delay in the birds, then those can help them um, kind of get back on track. Okay. Nancy, I'm going to go ahead and take a, a short commercial break, uh, and then okay. we'll come back and uh, and we'll we'll continue and uh, and finish up, folks. We're talking with Dr. Nancy Buchanan Jefferson, Ph.D., a poultry nutritionist. We're talking about the nutritional requirements for baby chicks on this episode, and we will return. So stay with us. We'll be back right after this short break. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. 
Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFRadio.com. That's GQFRadio.com. Love Nest brings the natural goodness of herbs to you in your backyard with handcrafted organic blends for your backyard friends. Packaged in a resealable bag, 100% USDA certified organic, Love Nest blends come ready to sprinkle directly into the nesting R coop bedding and are completely natural and edible. There's Love Nest Chick Mix Blend, a gentle herb blend perfect for young chicks. Love Nest Layer Blend, designed to help support laying and soothe ruffled feathers. And Love Nest Critter Ritter Blend is naturally effective against those unwelcome guests such as lice, moths, and other pests. Ask for Love Nest at your favorite local feed store or visit them online at www.loveluv-nest.com and try Love Nest Organic Blends for your backyard friends today. 
1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business, providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for the beginner or advanced poultry keeper. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it comes time to order. Shop online at www.strombergschickens.com or call today at 1-800-720-1134. Remember, that's strombergschickens.com. Come back. Come back. From our family to yours, feed your chickens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Visit our website at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H feeds.com. Or order today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of The Chicken Whisperer. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer, here to tell you that if you have backyard poultry, nothing is more important than making sure your feathered friends are safe from infectious poultry diseases. Learn the simple steps to keep your birds healthy by visiting this website, healthybirds.aphis.usda.gov. That's healthybirds.aphis.usda.gov. A message from the USDA. All right, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, again, brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. We're talking with poultry nutritionist Nancy Buchanan-Jefferson, PhD. We're talking all about nutritional requirements for baby chicks. Let me go ahead and bring her back on here. Let's see what we get. Uh, Hang on one second, Nancy. Press the right button here on the switchboard. Uh, I believe you are back on live, so thank you uh, for staying with us. Oh, great. Can you hear me? I sure can. Loud and clear. I know you have your outline there. There's uh, just maybe three things here um, that uh, I wanted to make sure that we uh, cover before we end the show. One is um, uh, you talk about that 72-hour period uh, initially when they hatch out for nutrition and then they get shipped. And and though it can be very safe and and non-problematic for for the chick, shipping is uh, stressful. Let's face it, uh, a lot of companies uh, will offer for an extra cost to uh, I believe it's called a grow gel um, that they can put in the box with the chicks uh, en route. And uh, I've always kind of recommended that because I know that Peter Brown often has talked about that 72-hour period uh, being very, uh, it varies greatly because you may have a chick hatch in the middle of the night and then the rest may hatch several hours later. And so that 72-hour period may vary differently between uh, the different chicks in that box that are being shipped to you based on which breeds are hatching at which time of during that day before they actually ship out. So uh, having that available to them 
it's kind of like a uh, a solid that they mix with water that uh, becomes kind of a, a grit material, and they put it in the shipping box so that baby chicks can access that. Uh, so it does have some um, a nutrition in there. It's got some hydration in there, of course. A lot of people definitely recommend it in the summer months when you're shipping the chicks in the hot summer months. So that's something I would add to the, you know, you talk about the vitamins and electrolytes that people can choose to add. The grow gel is something, folks, you may uh, ask if you're ordering from a, a hatchery and have the bird ships, if that's if it's an option that you can choose to have in the uh, chick box uh, during shipping. But two things I uh, wanted to definitely cover is the uh, importance of having fresh water, even from, of course, the beginning and how that uh, with the nutritional requirements and, and the process, processing of the feed and food. Um, and then uh, we talked a little bit about oyster shell. I know that's not chick related, uh, but grit is. And uh, I've and, and please correct me if I am wrong. This is what we've kind of talked in our in our classes, and we've got from other experts out there is that um, uh, even at, at, at even at the chick level, um, if you're feeding a uh, a processed feed, a, a manufactured feed like the Kalmbach, uh chick starter, chick grower, even up to the layer pellets that um, uh, sometimes there is, and you can let me know, uh, grit already mixed in with uh, with maybe some of the some of that, um, or uh, the fact that it is a processed feed, if you will, that grit really isn't necessary, especially uh, if you have your chickens once they're of the age to go outside uh, your backyard. They have a run area. They're scratching. They're pecking. They may be getting that all-natural grit from the backyard, from the ground, naturally. Um, even in that situation, uh, spending the extra money on grit may not be necessary. But here's an example. If you're feeding a more uh, or a, a feed that's more grain-based, uh, it may include some cracked corn or some scratch or just more grain-based versus a processed-type pelleted or, or, or a, a feed or crumble feed. And let's say your birds are in cages, they're show birds, or they don't get a lot of time access outside into the uh, into the ground where they can get that naturally, then yes, gr uh, uh, grit, free choice within that cage for those birds uh, would be uh, would be recommended. So if you could touch on the importance of fresh water uh, for our, our, our baby chicks and having it available 24-7, you know, and then maybe the, the grit, what you recommend uh, based on many variables for the baby chicks. And then uh, we talked about oyster shell. That's more of a laying issue and, and, and shell issue than baby chick. And then uh, maybe last, finally, these two things, uh, how much feed? I, I, I've seen over the years where um, people will walk in, they, they may not consult with a feed dealer representative there, and they, they pick out a little tiny little shoebox of, say, six baby chicks. They're these tiny little golf ball-sized things. And uh, mm -hmm. they go over to the feed aisle, and they see this little five-pound bag of feed or a little 25-pound bag, or maybe a 40 or even a 50-pound bag. And they look at the chicks, and they look at this big 50-pound bag of feed, and they're thinking, Oh, that that that's overkill. I, I don't need that fifty pound bag. I'll just get this little little five pound bag of feed, and they'll go and they'll fill up that quart feeder and the brooder twice, and then they're like, "Well, I got to go get more feed." And then they'll go again, maybe get and instead of getting that fifty, you know, obviously bottom line, the dollar for dollar amount, the fifty 
50-pound bag is more value to you if, you if you're physically able to handle the 50-pound bag and that type of thing. I know the smaller bags have become extremely popular, but if you talk about, you know, basically how much feed these baby chicks, and it surprises so many people how much not only can they eat, but initially when they're in the brooder, how much they waste, which is a big issue as well, you know, spilling it out of the feeder, scratching it on the ground, and all that that, that gets wasted. Um so I've just been kind of in the custom of telling folks, six baby chicks, grab that 50-pound bag. Uh, you will be surprised how much they're going to eat, how much they're going to waste even initially until you can really start raising that feeder and hanging it up off the ground to eliminate waste. So the waste is going to surprise you, and the amount that they're going to eat is going to surprise you. But uh, maybe if you can hint on it really how much those chicks are going to eat so we can correlate what size bag we need to buy. Uh, but that, the importance of fresh water and maybe the grit uh, requirements. Sure. Okay. Um, fresh water is, is extremely important. You want to make sure when you bring your birds home, if at all possible, you already have your um, your brooder set up. So if your birds are an impulse, an impulse buy, you buy them, you come home, and you have to get everything ready, make sure you get that done. But if at all possible, definitely set it up beforehand. Um, when you... When you put your water into your um, brooder box, do not set it directly underneath the light. You don't want it to get really, really hot. Anytime you have hot water, um, there's a chance for anything that might be in that water to actually grow. So don't stick it directly under the light. It will be warm because it's in that brooder, and that brooder should be warm, but not directly under the light. And you want to change it often. Um, when your chicks are very young, when you first bring them home, it's not a bad idea to change it every day. Um, fresh water is essential for digestion, so it'll actually start to break down some of the, the feed particles when the bird actually eats those particles. That even starts to happen in the crop. Um, some of those in the crop is where they're actually going to store their feed. So birds, um, over time, <laughs> you know, they're actually a, a, a species that eats very fast and then runs and hides because they're they were peak for predators. We we keep them a little safer now, but they still have that tendency to eat and store feed in their crops. And some and water will actually help that digestion start in the crop immediately. Um, change your water out just about every day when you first bring them home. And the biggest tip I can give to people is get your water up out of the shavings. Uh, even when your birds are very young, they're just small one- or two-day-old chicks, I like to stick a piece of plywood or OSB, just cut in a little square. I put that on top of the shavings, and then I put my water on top of that. It gets it out of the shavings. It keeps them from uh -huh. kicking shavings into the water, and it does help a little bit on keeping them from pooping in the water, which, is, which they will do. Um, so fresh water all the time. Change it out just about daily. Um, when they get older, you don't have to do it quite every day. But but even when your when your birds are adults, um, I like to not have any more than maybe two, no more than three days of water supply at a given time. Um, after that, let's say if I'm going out of town, then I have to have somebody come and um, give my birds fresh water. And that just keeps fresh water, that keeps things out of the water, like feces or shavings. And um, it's really important for their digestion. And 70% of a bird's body is water, just like humans. So they require a lot of water. And surprisingly enough, in the wintertime, they require a lot of water because that's what they use to maintain their body temperature. So don't think just because it's wintertime they don't need as much water. They require a lot of fresh, not frozen water in the wintertime as well. Okay. But Great. since we're talking about baby chicks, <laughs> I'll go over to um, the grit. 
Um, grit is actually, a lot of people think it's a calcium source. It can help with calcium digestion, but it actually helps with digestion overall. Um, so it's not it's, it's pieces of rocks, typically, that are ground small. And you are correct, birds that have outdoor access will pick up their own grit. Um, my birds, if I let them out, I'll see them scratching around in the driveway, scratching around in the dirt. Um, our minerals we put in feeds, they're mined, and chickens are great little miniature miners themselves. They scratch around to get all of those nutrients that they need right out of the dirt. Um, grit works by actually uh, any time that um, digest, any time that you have more surface area, you have greater digestion. And one of the reasons why when we manufacture feed and we go through the process of grinding, let's say corn, we grind it to a fine grind, it's because we're increasing the surface area. We have more space when we grind that corn up for those enzymes to actually get in there and digest that feed. So inside our gut we have a plethora of enzymes. And what they're doing is breaking down all of those individual um, feed particles into their little individual um, nutrients. Let's say if it's protein, they're breaking it down into their proteins, energy, um, the sugars, and all that kind of stuff. So they start to break that down. And any time that we increase surface area, and we can do that through grinding, through, let's say, a grinder, um, even a blender in our own house, you increase surface area when you grind something. And birds grind things using their gizzards. So they don't have teeth. They use a gizzard, and that gizzard actually will grind up that feed, and if there's grit in there, it just helps. It provides another little um, source, a rough surface, that mm -hmm. will further grind that feed. And that's how it works. It increases surface area, increases digestion. Feeds are feeds that are manufactured. Usually, especially pellets or crumbles, we grind those, those feed particles down to a finer grind. So grit isn't as necessary in those particular situations because we already have that increased surface area of those feed particles. Um, if you're using whole grains, I always recommend that you at least crack them or grind them at some at some point because if it's a whole grain, um, it takes a lot longer for any of those enzymes to do their job. Um, really slows down passage rate, really decreases digestibility. So. Okay. Um, if you're feeding cracked grains or something along those lines, then grit can help because it will it will further crack up and further grind that particle inside the digestive tract, and then they can utilize more of the nutrients that are in that particular um, feed particle. Um, I've never used grit. I feed uh, complete feeds that are pelleted or crumbled, um, so I have never personally fed supplemental grit. Uh, if you do, if you think um, your birds are, are getting uh, cracked, cracked grains or something along those lines, a grit's a great thing to have. And if they are foraging, then they're probably picking it up all on their own. <laughs> mm -hmm. Perfect. Great, great. I'm glad that uh, we think along uh, the same lines there. Uh, the 16-week thing, as far as eight weeks, eight weeks, 16, um, I've been incorporating that. And uh, for probably six years, I've been doing and doing the workshop. So it's glad to hear that reinforced uh, by someone uh, uh, as yourself. And then, of course, the grit. Uh, I've been sharing that, that kind of same information for, for many years. So I'm glad to be aligned with something uh, um, with, with you regarding that as well. 
and then the uh, uh, last on my list, and then you can uh, finish up your outline if you have anything we haven't talked about. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the the how much how much fee? Because like we said, we talked about that. They'll get these tiny little chicks, and they'll go and see this big fifty pound bag, and they're thinking, oh, there's no way that's for the big farmers or the commercial folks or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then next thing you know, they're coming back and buying that bag of feed uh, when they see the waste, and then really how much uh, they're eating. So let's talk a little bit about that, maybe. Uh, you know how much of these chicks? How much should they eat? What you know, and, and that type of thing. Yep. Well, small and medium breed birds. Um, mostly, what we're going to raise is our backyard laying hens, single comb white leghorns. Medium breed birds would be Barred Rocks, New Hampshire's. Um, those types of birds are going to eat on the starter feed about two and a quarter pounds, zero to six weeks of age. So, if you have a flock of ten birds, they're probably going to eat. 22 and a half pounds of feed or around that, plus or minus five, seven, eight pounds of feed. Ten birds, 22 and a half pounds of feed. Large birds like, um, let's say, Orpingtons, Jersey Giants, broiler chickens, those guys are going to eat a lot more um, because they have a larger body. They need a lot more um, energy to to grow and maintain that body. So a flock of 10 birds of larger breeds are going to eat about 32 and a half pounds of feed. um, And that's in their starter phase, zero to four or five weeks. So that's what you can expect for that. And they're going to waste, as you said, quite a bit of feed when they first start. When I start my chicks, I always start them directly on their feed. Um, I put a paper plate, and if I have a lot of chicks, I'll use a larger a larger pan. Um, but I'll put that, and I'll dump the feed in that, and then I'll stick my birds directly on top of that feed. Um, now, they will poop in it, and they will waste a lot, but they start scratching around, and they start eating immediately. And the faster you can get them on feed, the better off they do in the long run. Um, so they will waste. I only do that for a few days, and then I switch them over to their feeder. But I just want to make sure they know, hey, I need to eat so I can grow. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, yep. So starter feed, you can expect that. Grower phase, um, a flock of 10, let's say, small or medium-sized um, birds are going to eat about 100 pounds of feed. That's a lot. Um, and that's in a 10-week period. So a grower phase for those guys would be about 6 to 16 weeks. And in that time period, a flock of 10 birds is going to eat 100 pounds of feed. Broiler chickens or large breed birds, um, I typically recommend about 100 pounds of feed for those guys as well. Um, but that's because their grower phase is much shorter. Broiler chickens are usually ready to butcher in about 8 to 12 weeks of age. Um, so that's a much shorter period of time. It's the same amount of feed, but it's over a much shorter period of time. And and the commercial guys, you know, when we bring in our poultry feed, we bring it by the truckload. So those Uh pound bags aren't aren't for the mostly for the commercial folks. We bring it in bulk by the (laughs) truckloads. And yeah, and fill up those uh, big hoppers. Absolutely. Um, Mm -hmm. I've got two questions. I just noticed in the chat room. We can cover those, and then we'll get uh, to anything that you wanted to cover that we haven't yet. One question from Christmas Chick in the chat room uh, is: um, Is it harder for small breeds like Old English Game Bantams? to eat pellets or should they have crumbles? So your Saramas and your Silkies and, again, like she's saying, the Old English, um, uh, from your experience, is, is, is a pellet better? Uh, would crumbles be better? And some people just have their preference and birds have their preference as well. What, what say you? Yes. Uh, crumbles are definitely the way to go when they're very young. So when you first start those birds, even up into the 
the grower phase, if you can get a crumble, um, the most important thing in any um, when you think of any dietary requirements is that they be able to eat it. So smaller breeds, quail in particular, let's say you want to raise game birds, quail, pheasants, those types of birds do require smaller particle size to eat. Um, so these smaller game birds, if you can feed a crumble, go with a crumble because they're more likely to actually consume it. Okay, great. And the second question is, um, and let me see if I can scroll up because I think it may have been a two-part. Okay, so her uh, question is, how long would you feed, um, or if you would feed a higher protein food uh, to a larger breed, specifically Jersey Giants? They, they, they. Um, I, I don't. I mean, I know the breed obviously, and uh, they get really big. I don't know if their progression as far as growing is as fast as say a broiler. Are they just because they they grow? to that size or if they're because they're a bigger breed they just grow faster than others but um being a a larger breed like that jersey giant um would they in your opinion maybe require a higher protein feed than just we're looking at starter and and the grower and then the pellets or would you start a larger breed like the jersey giant and feed them the starter longer or go up to more of a meat bird feed for the bigger breeds like that if I if I were raising these birds for long-term production, for laying production and not for meat production, I would not go up with the higher crude protein feeds because what they're going to end up doing is actually just eating more feed. So per unit, they're actually going to eat more protein um, because they eat more feed. But they don't have those huge higher requirements unless you're raising them for meat production. Um, you need to to, to watch your birds and make sure you don't grow them too fast because sometimes you want to make sure that confirmation holds up. Um, so I, I don't, if I'm looking for long-term, let's say layer production, an older flock, I like to start slow and steady. I don't like to start fast and hot right off of the beginning. Um, but if you are make, raising them for meat production, if you do want to butcher those birds, then a higher protein um, in the beginning can definitely help get you more meat on the bird. I remember many years ago, at least a decade ago, it was a hot topic, and you ran into so many people that that uh, would not they, they would not opt for the chick starter, but they would go up to a game bird starter that may be twenty eight twenty eight percent protein, and they would be starting this and feeding this to Rhode Island Reds and Buff Orpingtons and Silver Lake, and I'm like, why? And like, oh, it grows them big and fast, and, and and gets you know really gets them you know uh, the protein they need. But I found with talking with experts like yourself and others uh, that that may be not such a good thing for your layers because it may impend uh, uh, egg production. You may cause a greater risk of being egg-bound uh, and impacted yeah. eggs and things because they're growing so big so fast and doesn't give them that time to fully develop everything in there that needs to develop for, for good egg length. So, but I remember that was a big topic about a decade ago with people just going right to game bird. More, the more the better. Protein, 28%. Best for my birds. Mm -hmm. Quality birds. Heavier birds. Grow, you know, big birds. And uh, right. but again, if you're looking for that that egg production, that may not be such a uh, a great thing. Yes, yeah. And there's two things about feeding really high nutrients. Um, first of all, any excess protein is is excreted, and it's excreted in the form of nitrogen. And so if mm -hmm. if you're feeding your birds a lot of extra protein, and your house has that high ammonia smell, that's probably right. one of the reasons. So those birds are just going to um, excrete that nitrogen, and in order to do that, they have to their kidneys have to actually break it down, which is taxing on the kidneys for the for the birds. 
Mm-hmm. So if I'm looking long-term, long-term production, uh, I, I do a slow and steady instead of a hot and fast. Okay. Um, the, the second thing on that, oh, now I can't remember what my, the nitrogen, and then, um, oh, birds don't actually store their fat the same way that humans do. So um, mm-hmm. the humans, we put our fat directly under our skin. You know, you can tell by looking at a person if they eat too much or they eat too little. It's pretty easy just by looking at someone to see that. Chickens, on the other hand, will store their fat on their organs, so any excess nutrients they have, fat in particular, they'll store on their organs and they'll store in their fat pad. So you can't see it externally by looking at And we have a tendency because we do show our love through feed um, and through extra treats and all of that kind of stuff for backyard birds to be um, fatter than they need to be. And that can lead to problems, like you said, egg-bound birds and um, birds that maybe go out of lay. Uh, so if those birds are really way too fat, the same as they, they recommend for humans, too skinny and too fat, we have problems with ovulation. Birds are the same way. Too skinny and too fat, you'll have problems with ovulation. Um, so mm-hmm. it's not quite as obvious for most animals you can really see because we put our fat right under our skin, but chickens, on the other hand, do not, so it's a little harder to tell. Okay, great. Is there? Uh, that's all I've got in my notes from the uh, chat live chat room that's going on right now. Is there anything on your outline that you had that you wanted to specifically share to make sure you got to uh, before we wrap up? Yes, um, bedding for your birds. I just want uh-huh. to, uh, the larger flake you can find on your shavings, I think the better. Um, you don't want those chicks to eat anything other than feed. Um, and a lot of those real fine shavings, they might actually consume those. You can run into problems with crops becoming bound and things like that and sticky manure. And So um, a larger flake on your shavings will work or um you know, if, you, if they're raised on wire cages, too, that'll keep them from eating anything down there. But clean, dry bedding is, goes a million miles to uh, keep your flock nice and healthy. Yep, bedding is very important. I know that uh, twice a year uh, we do the, um, uh, the national webinar with USDA and CDC, and every year the, we, we talk about the importance of, of bedding as well as uh, the USDA, USDA veterinarians recommending against sand, both for the brooder and the coop, for bedding for many different reasons, possibly increase in toxinosis, but uh, for many other reasons uh, as well. And so uh, we, we refer, uh, frown on sand both in the brooder and uh, coop bedding. But yes, bedding, the larger flakes, uh, thank you for uh, adding that. Anything else, Nancy, you'd like to add before we wrap it up? No, sir. I just appreciate the opportunity. Well, thank you very much, folks. We've been talking with Dr. Nancy Buchanan-Jefferson with Kalmbach Feed. She's a poultry nutritionist uh, with Kalmbach Feeds, and we're so glad to have her on to talk about this. It, again, is the season that people are rushing out and adding to their flock. They're getting the, the, the baby chicks, whether they're being shipped to them from the hatchery or they're picking them up in the local feed stores or buying from a local breeder. Um, and uh, so uh, great information to have, clearing up a lot of the ifs, ands, whats, and buts, or I heard this, and bad information that may be out there. So, Nancy, thank you very much for taking the time to come on the show today. We look forward to having you on again shortly. Thank you.
Great. Thank you very much for coming on today. And that's going to wrap up another episode of Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisper brought to you by Calm Bach Feeds. Uh, don't forget, tomorrow we've got Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor. He'll be here tomorrow with a great topic regarding the uh, happiness and healthiness of your backyard chickens. And then this Thursday, we got poultry scientist and professor Dr. Bridget McRae, PhD, coming on this Thursday to share her expertise with you. If memory serves, I think this Thursday, uh, the topic is going to be the importance of water quality, I think. Don't hold me to that, but uh, looking at the schedule, I think that was one of the things we were going to be talking about. So, again, thank you very much for tuning today. We'll see you tomorrow and uh, Wednesday right here on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. God bless everybody. Uh-huh.